Oh, since 2011. And so um, let's, I think the video is what we have up first. So it's, it's, a, it's a quick video just to show you. It's the cure for our condition. It's the good news for us all. It's greater than religion. It's the power of the cross. So can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love. So that, that sign in Spanish says Proyecto por la Esperanza, which, which means Project for Hope. And um, I just wanted to give you some context. That's the, the property where we, we do the work that, um, that we do. And, and so we work with, the, with singles and mothers, single, single mothers and, and widows and their children in a small community called Magdalena. And um, so let me give you a little background. So in, in 2011, we left for, for Guatemala. We lived in Jacksonville. I was a national account manager with Sprint, and Holly had a home-based business, and um, uh, did a trip with my church to Guatemala in 2009, and felt the call of God on our lives, and Holly and I visited, and it was um, just a process, so maybe an 18-month process to discern if God was calling us, and um, it uh, got to December of 2010, and we were, had decided that God was calling us. Uh, we just had a house that we couldn't sell. You know, the, that was back when the market was kind of going crazy. I don't know if you remember, and uh, we were trying to sell it, wouldn't sell. We tried to refinance it, and the house next to us sold on the courthouse steps for $80,000 less than we owed. So we didn't know what was going to happen. And in January, uh, suddenly the house was refinanced, and in three and a half weeks, we were in Guatemala. So it happened very quick, and we began to work with the 1212 Love Project. Some of you might recognize that, that ministry. Uh, we built houses for people who lived in extreme poverty in Guatemala. And uh, we did that for five years, uh, built over 200 homes. And in that process, we began to meet a lot of single mothers and widows and kids, and we noticed in that community they were the most marginalized people in the community. They really didn't have anyone to assist them. It was really normal for mothers to leave the community to go look for work, and their kids would just be on their own for till five in the morning, till eight or nine at night. And we're talking about young kids. We're talking about ten-year-olds watching five-year-olds. And um, we just felt that God was calling us to um, work with that population. And so that's where Project for Hope started. So I have some pictures. Um, I got I to gotta look back here. So, so um, just these are just some pictures from some, some folks in our ministry, and we'll just walk you through. This is um, Catalina and Ashleen. She's a single mom with three, three, do, three, three children and, um, in our ministry. And she's pretty common in that um, if the husband hasn't died, he's probably a, a, a drug abuser, alcoholic, and he's gone. And so mom is totally on her own. There's no such thing as child support or the type, types of things we're used to in the U.S. 
So you can go to the next photo. Um, so we have a couple of, of key programs. One is an agriculture program. So this is um, Anna, and those are radishes. They, this year, this was just a, lot, a couple months ago, they really grew some big radishes. So they have an agriculture program where we allow them to use about a two-acre plot we have, and we have an agriculture specialist that works with them to produce their own food and enough extra to sell. So this is uh, Anna. Uh, I think they were harvesting um, radishes that day. You can go to the next photo. Um, this is Amelia. Um, she has three children as well. And those are huge cauliflowers, actually. So they were, we got her harvesting some cauliflower. We also grow corn and, and beans and all the kind of basic food that uh, helps them sustain their lives. So we also have a, um, a separate project called... Um, Esperanza Handmade. Esperanza means hope, so hope handmade. And my wife, Holly, um, has always enjoyed sewing, and um, so we began to kind of explore what can we make by hand that can help these ladies sustain themselves. So we began in, I guess, 2017 um, working with leather. And so you see Leslie here, um, young single mom. She was, at that time, in charge of kind of cutting out designs and you can go to the next photo. You can see uh, Holly here with the ladies. Um, many ladies that, you know, uh, these are all hand-sewn products. And in 2019, we began to sell them. And this past year, in the last couple of months, actually, we began selling on Amazon and having some success. So um, the vision of the ministry is really to share Jesus and to show these ladies um, just a pathway to be able to sustain, sustain themselves and their families. So um, I think, do we have one more photo? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so this is a family. I don't, I don't know who they are in the community. We also have been able to provide um, a lot of relief to families who had no food during COVID. So when the shutdowns happened in Guatemala, literally so many families just had no access to food. So this was just a family uh, that we were able to, to help. That's, you know, we've been able to reach outside of um, our, our ministry um, just to single moms and also work with other ministries to, to help during the pandemic. So, um, so Project for Hope began in 2016, and we began to work with these ladies, and um, it's, been, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. So we've been in Guatemala for about 10 years, and uh, last year, about a year ago, in July, we returned to the States for a furlough. And uh, furlough would be kind of a time of rest that a lot of missionaries take. We had never taken that before. And we um, came back with uh, a couple of purposes, one to help our 19-year-old adjust to life in the U.S. and to join an organization. We'd been independent missionaries sent from our church in Jacksonville, and so we... Um, we're, we're joining an organization, and so we got back, and we, we knew that we were tired, and we knew that we were exhausted. Um, the context of doing ministry, when there's a lot of people who have a lot of needs, a lot of knocks at your door, it wasn't uncommon when we lived in the village to have eight to ten people a day knocking on our door, um, asking if we take take them to the hospital, if we could feed their family, if we could, you know, buy them shoes, you know, it, it was gets to be kind of uh, intense sometimes. Um, and we found ourselves probably 
much more exhausted than, than, than we realized. And we got back and we began to talk to an organization about joining them. And they were really interested in the work we were doing. They were interested in us joining them. And I, I remember Holly, we were on a, a Zoom call with a recruiter from this organization. And she, she was saying, you know, I'm not sure that you want us. You know, we're, we're tired, we're exhausted. And he said, well, it sounds like you're broken. And we were like, yeah, I think you could say that. And he said, well, that's perfect. And I thought, is he joking? And he's, he's like, no, this is, we believe this is right where God can use you. When we're broken is where really we can begin to see the power of God at work in our lives. And we thought, okay, that's a nice slogan, but we're serious. You know, we're, we're, we're you know, we're tired. And, um, but, but really what the Lord showed us is that was true. And so I want to talk a little bit just for a few minutes about living the gospel every day and what that's meant to us and what I hope that it will encourage some of you this morning. And so um, I think a key aspect to when we came back was um, as Christians, we talk about joy and we didn't have any joy. I mean, we were void of joy. And I think if we're honest, you know, I, you know, I, did anybody go to Awanas when you were a kid? Did they have Awanas around here? We go and learn these scriptures, you know, and Remember, I think we had learned this, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, this Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And um, I, don't know, I don't know, sometimes we look at a verse like that and, and we, we ask ourselves, if that's the fruit of the Spirit and I'm in Christ, what, there's, there's a disconnect somewhere because I'm, I lack that joy. And um, my kids might tell you that I lack that patience. And my wife would tell you that there are times that I lack that kindness. And so, um, begin to really, you know, there was deep questions that, that we had. And so, one of the things the organization worked with us is they had us go through a discipleship course um, called Sonship. And so, it was a 15-month process, which we finished a little, not too long ago. And um, what we learn is that God works in our brokenness and in our weakness. And we, we, we found through this process that we needed the gospel. So I, I've been a believer. You know, I was christened a, a Catholic baby. My dad got saved when I was one. I accepted Christ when I was maybe nine I was baptized at 10, I'm 51, so that was 41 years ago. So in my mind, there was something happening where I'm, I've been a believer for 41 years, and I, I had it in my mind. I, I don't think I actually formulated it, but I, maybe I wondered if I still needed the gospel. And you get saved, right? You get the gospel, you know, you, you repent, God does this work in your life. But what we found is in the context of doing ministry, that we um, got so sucked into working and performing and doing things for God that we forgot about who we were in Christ. And I think that happens to all of us at times. And so um, one of the things, you know, we talked about the gospel. Someone challenged me with this. When you look at the people that you're work, working with and you say, maybe you guys, I can challenge you all with this this morning. You can think about somebody in your life or somebody you know who really needs the gospel. You know, like I could tell you about some of the guys that are drunk, passed out on the street that 
I've prayed with, you know, many times or, you know, some of the moms that are going through extreme hardship and by some of their own choices, and they really need the gospel. But what we learned is that I need to realize that I need the gospel as bad as those people, just, just, just in the same way. And so as we began to go through this discipleship program, we learned, we learned that, you know, that um, we began to confront some of our thinking, you know, as that, that we um, didn't need Jesus as badly as we do. I know that sounds kind of strange to say, but that's what we discovered. And so um, we began to learn about um, that it's difficult to have joy when you're trying to obtain God's approval by your performance. And so we know that in our minds. We know that, that that's not the way it works. But I think we, get, we, we got caught into a cycle of performance. We got into a cycle of, um, you know, what I have to do as a full-time person in ministry, you know, to, for God to be happy with me. And, and there's, it's, it's kind of a, it's an interesting process. When that begins to happen, you don't recognize that you begin to expect performance from everybody around you. You know, Holly and I talked about how we begin to expect it from each other. Uh, there was a graceless process there in our kids. We began to expect, you know, just obedience and no grace. We just want you to perform. And then the people in our ministry, we just want you to do the right things. That's how you get accepted. And so as we began to really study Galatians and see that this gospel of grace, that yes, the fruit of the Spirit working in us, you know, there's things um, that... God's going to work on us that we, we, we're not doing as believers. There's, there's obviously, we don't want to live in a life of sin, but that's not, we're not performing for God's approval. And so um, this is something that, we, that we've, we've been learning in the last year. And um, so I was, I've been reading and, and focusing um, in different parts of the, the book of Matthew, and I wanted to just to look at Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. I think it's a scripture that you all are familiar with. Um, and let me read the verse. We'll talk about the context here. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And... If you, if you go back in Matthew and you look at what was happening there, you know, Jesus had done all these amazing miracles. And um, the teachers of the law and, and his own people who he came to, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, for us to con conceptualize that Jesus could stand in front of us and raise someone from the dead or, you know, take a known blind person, make him see or just do these amazing miracles, and we still would reject who he was. And, and so Jesus was saying, you know, woe to you. He was really, it was, it was really strong um, language, you know, that, that if, if those miracles had been done in other communities, those people would have all, you know, given themselves over to, to God, and they, they would have surrendered their lives. But you all, you're not interested in that. You have your own agenda and, and then he responds with, you know, with this verse. And so there's this contrast between those of us who, uh, in the world that want to live our own lives and we want a God that we want and on our terms, the way we want it to look and the way we want it to appear. And Jesus who says, 
it's, it's finished, it's done, you know, come rest, you know. My, you know, think about this, the, you know, uh, oxen and a yoke, you know. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It makes no sense to us in our minds, you know, that Jesus is, he's, he's saying, come to me and rest and find rest for your souls. And so, um, what, this, is, this is the gospel, right? This is that, that God, Jesus came to earth, he died for us, and um, to give us that, that salvation, you know, our requirement is, is, is resting in him and accepting and, and turning from our sin, but it's not, there's not a list of things that we have to do for him to accept us, right? And so, um, author uh, Dane Ortland, he has a, a book on this, on this passage, and um, he talks about who's qualified. Um, he talks about um, who's qualified for fellowship with Jesus in this verse. And it's, it's, it's obvious, but I, I, like, I like the way he puts it here. All who labor and are heavy laden. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself to come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. So what, what qualifies us to come to Jesus is our, the fact that we have no way to do it on our own, you know? He gives us um, this beautiful, this, this verse, he speaks to us that we can come to him and, and rest. And so in this, in this journey for, for Holly and I, it's been learning to, to rest. It's been learning to um, think about who we are in Christ. And then from that, it's interesting, um, interesting process happened for us. As we begin to look at kind of some of the deeper sins of our heart, and I think a lot of times in, in, in Christianity, especially America, we, we identify certain sins, right? You know, I, I don't have a moral failure. I don't have an alcoholic you know, problem. I don't have this. I don't have that. There's a whole group of sins that we never really examine. And we begin to talk about things like... Um, seeking the approval of others. And we wanted our kids to be really well-behaved so nobody thought anything bad of us, you know? And thought about, you know, the way we construct our lives instead of seeking, you know, to um, give glory to Jesus, to find approval from others. It's an interest, it's an insidious thing. And so as we began to see, one of the first, um, I was telling some guys yesterday, one of the first things in this course they had us do is, okay, we want you to take a week and um, make serious effort not to complain, to lie, um, basically to, to sin with your tongue, you know? So, okay, we'll do this. And, and the guy was telling us a story about, you know, doing this with uh, some folks overseas in, a, in an Asian culture, I think. And uh, one guy came back and um, said, I didn't, didn't sin at all. And and he said, well, pretty much we know you're lying if you say that. How, how did you accomplish that? And he said, I haven't spoken since last week, you know? <laughs> so, but we, we, you know, we found like in the first day or two, like, you know, I'm complaining pretty quickly, you know, I'm judging. Did you see what he was wearing? Did you see the way they were acting? Pretty quickly. My heart is exposed, you know, through. And so we were, okay, they're, they're on to something here, you know, there's, there's, you know, I think that I'm in pretty good shape, but all of a sudden, you know, my heart, my mouth is revealing the state of my heart, you know. And so 
as we begin to go through this process for us and study scripture and realize that really we're a lot worse than we think. So the, the guy that wrote this thing, it was kind of a joking thing. He said, cheer up, you're a lot worse than you think, you know? <laughs> and it was kind of funny, but we were like, yeah, we really, we really are, you know? And all of a sudden we saw very clearly our need for the gospel. I've been a believer for 40 years and, and God in his mercy revealed the gospel again to me. Not that I wasn't saved, not that I wasn't in Christ, in Christ but revealed that to me again. And um, that's where joy comes from. When we realize the depth of our sin, the depth of our need for Jesus, and the fact that Jesus has paid it all, that joy comes in there. There's no joy in working really hard to make God happy. There's no joy there, I can tell you. I, can, I got the t-shirt and, and everything. Um, so, you know, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 10 years or two years, we need the gospel every day. And, and maybe, maybe this morning you're not, you've never surrendered your life to, to the living God. Um, the gospel um, is, is here. You know, Jesus is, is here um, among us and, and offering um, to give you rest. And so, um, if I can send one thing home with you this morning, um, maybe to reflect on the scripture, but just that, that Jesus wants to give us rest from the treadmill of constant performance to um, make him happy. You know, he, he didn't die for us to, um, so that we could, um, you know, finish it off, finish the, you know, we'll, we'll get you... 80% of the way, God helps those who help themselves. No, that's, that's not what Jesus did. And I, I thought, you know, many, many of us have seen that, that, that drawing, right, where the, we're on this one cliff, you know, man and his sin, and God's on the other cliff, and there's the cross in the middle, right? The bridge, the, the, that's Jesus to get us over, right? And um, one thing we learned is that, you know, if we're not focused on the gospel as we're living life constantly is that that cross kind of shrinks right and what, what what happens is i decide well you know what i think god needs my help a little bit here you know i'm going to make sure that i'm i look really good on sunday morning and um make sure that dale knows that i'm a solid christian right i'm going to make sure that you know he doesn't my kids don't talk back to me i'm going to make sure that he you know he really approves of me i'm going to make sure that you know, I do this right and I do that right. And I'm going to, you know, and we get thinking about our, our little, the cross shrinks because we think there's more that we need to do. And um, so if I can remind you this morning that the cross is sufficient, that Jesus is sufficient. Um, and um, he wants to give us rest. So uh, thank you guys for having me. And... Uh, Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that word. Um, it's so easy for us to forget, isn't it, that we 
we need the gospel. We can look at all these other people and think, man, they, they need the gospel and just forget how bad we need the gospel. So, you know, sometimes we talk about sin and confession and repentance a lot around here. And people, you know, look at me and they're like, can't we just move past that and talk about something else? When you do, that's when you forget the gospel. And that's when you start looking down on others and, and thinking, wow, they, they need it, but I'm, like Chris said, I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't, I don't need it. So thanks for reminding us of that this morning. And I just want to also thank you for our friendship. I mean, over the years, um, it's funny how God orchestrates things and puts things together and looking back and, and just thinking about all the ways that our families have intersected and, and not just our family, but our church family. Many of you have been to the complex and seen <laughs> and seen what he was showing you this morning. Um, so uh, Greg from Redeemer is another missionary that we support, and he's a church planter um, there. And I'll show you a picture. We, Greg sent over a couple pictures. This is their service. Now, you kind of like Guatemala, you know how the lockdown stuff in the UK was more extreme than we ever experienced. Uh, here, especially in Florida, but um, they are thriving and they are growing, and, and he just wanted to send uh, some pictures, and we have a, a video, and I, I think Greg must have liked Max Headroom when he was a kid. Does anybody remember Max Headroom? Because the video, his head, he's going to be upside down, so there's nothing I could do about it, but maybe it'll keep your attention for, for his two-minute video. Show, show the last slide with the... Um, Keep going one more. So that's the inside of the church or the, the facility. That's what I wanted. That is the um, pub that they meet in. And, you know, in the UK, things are a little different. Uh, pubs are kind of the community centers for a lot of activity. It's not just a bar. Um, it is that, but it's a lot more. Um, so this is, this is where they are meeting at currently. And... Um, have I think it, I think they're on the second floor is where they're at. So, all right, we're gonna queue up this video. Hopefully it'll work. Oh, hey, you flip it around. Okay. Well, man, I liked it better upside down, but. Hi, Church on the Way. My name is Greg Wilson. Uh, I've met some of you, uh, and so some of you might know who I am, but not all of you. Uh, me and my family moved to Manchester six years ago to plant a church. Uh, that church is called Redeemer, and Redeemer is about three years old. And I just want to give you a quick update on uh, how we're doing. First thing is over COVID and with reopening things here in the UK, uh, we've seen a good amount of growth, especially for our little church. Uh, so that's been great, so praise the Lord for that. People who uh, aren't believers have been coming around the church either on Sundays or in our groups during the week. Uh, and then people who are believers but haven't been connected to a church or maybe their faith was a bit dormant, has uh, they've joined and they're starting to grow and that's fantastic, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, secondly, with growth and really with any organization that wants to grow, the bottleneck is always a lack of leaders uh, and that's true for us. We have great leaders and we need more great leaders and God will grow them, um, but we also need to pray. So thank the Lord for the growth, but uh, please, will you join us in prayer and asking for more leaders, whether that's other elders or other uh, small group leaders or other people to help in serving various areas. 
thirdly, uh, you uh, might have heard about Alicia. She is an intern from America that moved here about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. Uh, and so she'll be working with our church for two years and getting a theology degree as well. Um, and so please continue to pray for her. She's uh, really connected well with people in Redeemer. Uh, she has some great ideas of like areas where she wants to kind of grow the church a bit and get involved and serve the community. Um, so yeah, so that's three things. Thank God for growth, pray for new leaders, and thank God for Alicia and pray that we would be a welcoming and loving church, not only for her to have a church home, but also for her to uh, develop and grow more of the gifts that God has given her. Uh, thank you all so much for praying for us and for being a part of planting a church in Redeemer. I bet you didn't know that being a part of church on the way meant you're part of planting a church in Manchester, but it's true. And we are very grateful for that. And that's what partnership in the gospel is all about. So thank you all and um, hope to see you someday soon. And, and I do want to follow up with that. Thank you. Um, you're giving every week, you know, a, a portion of that we give back. So 10% of whatever comes into the church, we've just kind of committed as a church that, that that's going to be going out. We're, we're not going to touch it. We're just going to turn around and, and use that for various missionaries. Um, Chris is in 2022 going to be the newest one. As you guys have heard me talk about your faithfulness and giving through the pandemic, um, that has allowed us to have a little bit more money. And so as we have more money, that 10% goes up. Um, and so we're, we're adding on Chris. But I, I want to challenge you guys. I mean, a, as a church, you know, we're looking at supporting them at like $150 a month. I want to challenge some of you, though. Like may, maybe you have it in your budget. You have it in your resources to, to kind of give above and beyond. And whatever you give, we will just add to them. There, there's no administration fee. There's no overhead. Like that, that check that we cut will just grow based on what you would consider giving to them monthly to help support them and their ministry and what they're doing. And also, um, when you go out the back in just a minute, and Chris and his family will actually be in the back in the fellowship hall just so there's a little bit more room, but he has some prayer cards back there um, where you can get some more information about what he's doing. Uh, there's also a sign-up sheet where you can put your email, text uh, number so that they can keep you updated. Uh, as to what they're doing and what their prayer needs are. Uh, maybe there's a financial need. One, one big financial need I want to mention um, is their facility. Um, the way that things worked with that facility that they have is they were buying it from another nonprofit.